Good evening, everybody. I hope everybody's having a great Sunday going into Monday. And welcome back to D Nations for a second episode. Now, you may be wondering, why am I having performative activism in February? The Grammys are in January. Come on now. What are we doing? You're not cultured. Well, you know, I really don't like watching the Grammys. But I can say that it was pretty classy. You know, I think it was pretty classy. I think it's pretty classy. I should have dressed up for the occasion, but I didn't do that. But with that being said, I want to think I want to thank each and every one of y'all for continuing to repost, to commenting, to just listening. It's about us. So I definitely want to appreciate each and every one of y'all for continuing to tune in. I got lots of love and I appreciate that. We're going to continue to produce these episodes. I'm sorry that I could not post this at seven. As soon as I got into the door, I literally collapsed on my couch. Now, as y'all know, I literally got plugged. I'm plugged into everything. Like I'm trying to, to just take moments just to breathe. But again, I don't want to stress this again. Please make sure y'all are preserving y'all mental and y'all physical health. Make sure that y'all looking out for those things. Please, please take time for yourself. Because ultimately, you know, a lot of you all, I'm sure, are continuing to be active in your communities. You're engaging with the people around you and you're fighting to bring change to your communities and to build those bridges and build those ways and laying the foundation for the next generation. But please make sure y'all look, looking out for your mental and physical well-being, even if it means, you know, again, doing the things that you love to do. I know, like, literally, as soon as I got into the door, I was like, dang. I, I really just, I need a moment just to breathe because, you know, I've been on the go nonstop this weekend. I, I really don't even feel like I had a weekend. Like, I don't even know. But at the same token, you know, I still got some fun in, you know, I was able to relax just a little bit and getting ready for the school day to come. Um, so with that in mind, let's kick off the episode. So the Grammys for... The best actor slash actress for performative activism goes to... Okay, I'm going to be honest with y'all. So the list was pretty long, you know, so I wouldn't want to torture y'all going down the list because I think that'll stretch the episode a lot longer than it has to be. But I think it's safe to say that it's pretty present within our schools. It's pretty present within our public offices, in our businesses, at our jobs. It's pretty present everywhere where we have this level TV, social media, especially it's really starting to be present of this whole notion of performative activism. Like, I'm telling you, I just looked on my television and I'm literally scrolling on my TV right now. Hulu, you know, they have the Celebrate Black History Always tab, which don't get me wrong, that's fantastic because I don't know about y'all, but I'm turning up triple time for Black History Month. But please remember, and y'all hear me, y'all will hear me say this, especially for the fe- month of February, Black History is every month. Because again, you know, we can talk about the historicals and why it's in February, especially when we talk about people like, you know, Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, since, you know, again, their birthdays are in February. And, you know, that's why Dr. Carter Goblin wants to put it in between there, especially in that recognition for Negro Achievement Week. But that, that, we don't hear about those things. You know, I I remember, uh, you know, it's funny because my first introduction to Dr. Uh, Carter Goblin Woodson, my first introduction to him was through the Proud family, which is pretty funny because it's like, you know, how would you get that from a cartoon, especially on a, a cartoon on Disney Channel? It's like, how do you get that? But, you know, ultimately, 
it's again a way to to replenish the the fatigue and the frustration and and but also the goodness and the and the well-being and the dedication of black people since we've contributed so much to this nation because we built this nation literally physically on our backs our ancestors have done that and we continue to do that yet we are still battling peoples cultures systems that continue to make it clear that they do not want our people educated informed and empowered to have the same rights freedoms and liberties as their fellow americans and quite frankly that's 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 not what we can do we are not going to sit there and tolerate that because again if we truly as a nation believe in the principles of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that all people can come to this nation and build what it is that they want to ensure that they are not only successful but are actively contributing to this nation we need to ensure that we match our actions to our words because our nation has a paper trail and it's clear that they've tried their hardest to cleanse, to exterminate, and quite frankly, to rid them of black people. And it's frustrating, no doubt. But again, we need to continue to provide the foundation for the next generation of our peoples to ensure that they can continue to make this place better for all. And that requires us to continue to educate, to continue to inform, and to continue to empower people to do the things that they want to do, which is to empower and bring change to our communities. I know I just used empower twice. I'm so sorry, but that word just goosebumps every time. But back to the Hulu. I mean, literally, it's like you only see it during Black History Month. And, you know, T-Mobile, for example, you see those commercials where they say, yeah, we, you know, we support black owned businesses for the month of February. But it's like, why isn't that the case every month? Why don't you hone in on the intersectional components of the black diaspora to ensure that you really and fully reflect on the notion that y'all really value black lives? Because, again, what about black people that are LGBTQIA? What about black women who continue to provide and build for this nation, yet they do not receive the same respect and they are often criticized and judged. What about black people with disabilities? Again, we need to ensure that we are intersectional in our mindsets and we're not falling victim to the same performative activism that we are. We seem to be putting ourselves in. But also, and again, I want to make this clear, you know, Again, when we hear performative activism, it's just something as simple as somebody going on social media and posting Black Lives Matter. But in reality, you don't see them at any of the rallies. You don't see them giving back to the community. You don't see them using their talents and their skills to ensure that the message is conveyed, whether it's in their classrooms, whether it's in their jobs, whether it's in their public offices, petitioning their public figureheads. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, you know, it's interesting. So... I did that poll and, you know, I'm sure y'all saw it on the Instagram page, but based on the vision and the goals of Salisbury University, and I want to make sure that I keep it, keep this in mind, 48 people that have either been or is currently going to Salisbury University took that poll. Out of the 48 people, 
Only five people believe Salisbury University was truly matching actions to their words when it comes to providing a foundation as an institution of higher learning to ensure that hate truly does not have a home here and that they are educating people on how to combat systems of oppression. Because again, Salisbury University, national distinction. Five people. And then in terms of who believed it was lip service, 43 people believed it was lip service, that the university has only been contributing more lip service rather than actually implementing the things that they need to see happen to ensure that change comes to this community. 43 people, so 90% of that number, people said lip service. That is a shame. And I'm not trying to make people feel bad. No, I'm not trying to do that at all because ultimately you have to have a passion for, for, for higher learning. You have to. And then on top of that, if you want to make change, so if you represent students or if you are doing the things that you're doing, of course, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. However, we need to be okay with being vulnerable. That's the first step in recognizing performative activism. Are we really and truly being vulnerable? I'll give you an example. So, I, during... A lot of after George Floyd uh, was murdered, that is when I really started to take shape within the 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 rallies and the mutual aid efforts and the other avenues that really got me plugged into how could we get the community to be active in a matter where it continues to face the same cycle where you know we 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 rally we voice our concerns. They say that we're listening. They do a little a little uh, uh, commercial saying we all matter. And then next thing you know, the next person is taken from this earth. Why do we wait for that cycle to continue to repeat itself? But what we don't know is that that cycle contributes to that performative activism. Because again, you have people that repost those same slogans. Black lives matter. Love is love. We see those things. But then when it comes to actually applying actions to our words... People are not to be found. You know, it's kind of like the equivalent. It is no, it is the equivalent of somebody taking a picture when they're feeding the homeless. They take a picture saying, "Yes, I can. I did my community service. I can check this off my bar, my box." We can't do that because again, there's consistency, there's consciousness, there's longevity, there's goal setting. Because again, nobody's perfect, and everybody has is busy in their own capacity. But again, what can we do to offer something, whether it's a skill, whether it's financial, whether it's time, whether it's just physical volunteering to ensure that, again, you match the notion that black lives matter, that love is love, that we truly need to stand for our fellow peoples. Because, again, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere, as MLK said it. Again, I don't want to use a quote that's overused so much. Especially when I, you know, especially during Black History Month. But again, it, it reigns true. You know, and it's funny because, you know, people, they always talk about figures like Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks. What about the Bayard Rustins? What about him? I mean, nobody talks about him in a sense because, again, it's like he, and for those of you who may not know, he actually, he was the coordinator the main coordinator responsible for the the rally in D.C., the Washington, D.C. rally for civil rights. I mean, yes, you see Martin Luther King on it, of course, with, of course, with the I Have a Dream speech. 
but he was the main coordinator. Black man, a gay black man. So, again, if we're trying to challenge the notion of performative activism, especially if you're posting on social media on trying to, I guess, educate people on black history, why aren't we digging any deeper? Because, again, you are utilizing history to explain to people why it's ever more important that we need to learn about these things, especially when it's American history. You know, and and it's it's interesting because, you know, after people post those things, it's kind of like, you know, they they pat themselves on the back. Okay, that's great. But what are you going to do to be consistent? Where is that? What are you going to do to be consistent? Like, I'm serious. It's like, what's going on? You know, it's funny because um, in my mind, it took me a while to really process how to be a conscious advocate, a, a, an ally. Because again, like, yes, I will continue to my last day to advocate for the black diaspora. But it's not just for black straight people. It's not just for black males. No, it's for our intersectional communities. So again, advocating for black women, advocating for LGBTQIA, especially people who are of color that are members of the LGBTQIA community, people with disabilities of color. How can I amplify their voices to be a better ally? Because again, it still connects to the diaspora, laying the foundation for the next generation. And so we really need to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we willing to do to ensure that we can challenge those inequities and those injustices? Because as we see right now, it seems as though, again, people are nowhere to be found when those matters are brought up. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. Again, I don't want to make anything. I don't want people to feel like, you know, like they're doomed forever. Like, oh, my gosh, like this is just me forever. No, 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 no. That's not the case. Because, again, you are taking the opportunity to expose yourself to something that you may not have been accustomed to, something you may not know. But based on that ask yourself and ask the people around you, what can you do to be a better ally? What can you do to amplify their voices? You know, because again, that reflects the experience of the black diaspora and the excellence of what we do to ensure that we're laying the foundation for the next generation. I'm going to keep saying that, you know, I feel as though I feel and, and see, I'm pausing like this because I think to myself, especially being on this campus for my last semester, it's like, I know that I can't fix everything. And I beat myself up too much because I, I want to make sure that students that come after me has not only the resources that I had coming here, at least to start off, because look, let's be real, they started cutting stuff, I don't even know, but to ensure that they have more. Because again, that's what I feel growing up black meant. I feel like growing up, I was taught that you need to make sure that you advocate for the people around you so that you can make this a better world, not just for yourself, but for other people. And in order to do that, you need to work hard to do that. You need to be consistent. You need to actually believe in what it is that you are advocating for. Because again, if you don't have, if you don't believe in it, if you don't, if you aren't passionate about it, then, you know, why are you doing it? And so, you know, I, I just feel like, I never really gave myself that opportunity to sit down and be like, you know what? What can I do to ensure that I get these things done? Now, 
again, that's the importance of consistency, especially when it comes to getting people to continue that legacy and push it forward. But, you know, again, I can't, I can't get caught up in the performative because I know that if I want people to advocate for me and my experiences and my struggles, the good and the bad, I want them to advocate because they truly believe that it's the right thing to do and that they're going to do everything in their power to amplify and to spread the word. Because again, these are your these are the people that you work with. These are the people that you go to school with. These are the people that you cry on on their shoulder. Those are the people that you go through it with. So why aren't we showing up for each other? Especially as a black diaspora. Because like, you know, I, I feel as though also... It's like we tend to group our experiences into one thing when in reality, again, there's intersectional components that make up the black diaspora. Not all black people think alike. Not all black people have the same experiences. But again, what we need to do is we need to continue to strategize. We need to continue to get innovative in how we advocate consistently and consciously to ensure that we can bring changes to our communities where it counts because it counts. But it does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's it's funny because being being involved in an organization like NAACP, I still ask myself, what is the organization doing to appeal to intersectional groups? Because, you know, again, when you're around for well over 100 years, you know, sometimes tactics are not always... You have to adapt with your tactics to ensure that you continue to reach the audiences that you want to reach. But again, what are we doing to ensure that we're conscious about it? And, you know, we I think we definitely demonstrated that at SU. It's just, you know, what what still needs to happen in ensuring that we're not performative in our activism, because, again, we can't say we're going to do things, something one minute and then turn around and not do it. Or we do what it is we say we're going to do and then just do hands off. Like, no, we can't do that. You know, we got to be consistent. You know, I feel like being at, being at SU, and I think a lot of institutions, or at least hearing people from other institutions are saying very similar things. You know, it's like a curtain. You know, when you see people... You know, they, they in universities in particular, when they say that diversity inclusion is there, they, it matters. When they say that diversity inclusion is here at this institution and that they care about it and that's their priority, it's always like it's hiding in front of a curtain. It's like, you know how, like, before you go to a play, the curtains are, are closed and, you know, you can only guess what you, based on what you hear and, like, the kind of, like, the shadows a little bit. It's kind of like that. Like, I feel like SU in particular is so quick to say that they value diversity and inclusion. Like they're, they're showing images of all these different diverse groups. But then again, when students either get to a place or students buy into it, it's like the curtain moves, it, it opens and pars, and it's not the image of, again, diversity, equity, inclusion. And you have students, again, going back to last episode, that are burned out, experience fatigue, especially black students, when we're only but so big of a population. And it breaks my heart. It really does. Because you have students that are working. You have students that are involved in all these different clubs and organizations. You have students that are going to class. Yet they don't feel safe 
at home because their home away from home was taken from them by this entity. Yet the very entity is giving this performative stance of we value you even though you don't even know who the people that you are valuing. Because again, you've taken away everything from them. Resources, culture, their history. And, you know, again, I don't mean to just pick on SU because SU, you know, again, it is a good school. And, you know, again, we need to do what we need to do to make sure that we bring change to our communities. But this whole performative notion that's coming from the institution, that's coming from our representatives, that's coming from, you know, our professors. It is not it is not. It is not acceptable. And I started with that because, again, there's still thoughts in my mind about what is going to happen in the future. But again, as a conscious advocate, it's important to note that the consistency and the legacy that you all are going to leave is going to be crucial to the next generation who's going to provide for the new generation coming next. That's, again, what makes Black excellence so unique. That's what makes our diaspora so unique when it comes to our determination and our willpower to bring changes to our community for all peoples. And we need to continue to do that. But we cannot continue to give this performative activism. You know, it's funny because, and I, I keep saying it's funny, like, I must be a dang comedian if I keep saying it's funny. But this uh, this silence, I feel like this silence, it's just me in my mind. Like, you know, because I, I have stuff written down. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have stuff written down. But in my mind, I'm just thinking, why is it that when students are so frustrated at these forums and when students are articulating and pouring their hearts out about why they don't feel welcomed or safe on a campus or in a community, it's like the first thing people are automatically going to say is, we value you. Don't worry, we value you. What does that mean? We value you. Because if you valued us, where's the actions? Where, how are we matching actions to our words? What are we doing to do that? I mean, yeah, you slapped a Black Lives Matter sticker on your shirt. That's cool. But, you know, I haven't seen you at any of the, you know, the groups or the uh, ad hocs or anything, whether it's at your college campuses and public offices that are really working to bring those actions to the table. I haven't seen you. You know... It's really interesting. You know, it really is interesting. I remember actually, I went to a a, um, a voting rights rally a couple weeks ago, especially when it comes to how the Senate failed to pass the, um, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And, you know, one of the Maryland legislatures that's uh, going forward, she was talking about how, or uh, she was talking about how, um, you know, it's important that we elect people into uh, we continue to back the Democrats in an office in the state of Maryland so that there isn't any shifts in policy. And, you know, I, I can't knock that notion. I can't disagree with that. But at the same token, it's like, what are we doing in the state of Maryland to not only do that, but then to strengthen our voting rights laws? Because again, 
the performative activism is you're telling me this because you know that it's a struggle that black people continue to face, especially when we're talking about access to the ballot. And again, those intersectional communities, because what if you have a disability and you are black and you're down south? How does that work? Again, not, don't get me wrong. We talk about the state of Maryland right now, but that still applies because, again, it's like what laws are in place to ensure that people can do that safely yet efficiently, you know? So, you know, and, and we're lucky, you know, if you live in Maryland, you know, we don't have to, to, to worry too much about any types of legislation coming up as we speak, knock on wood, but what are we doing to strengthen voting rights laws? I mean, to my understanding, in Maryland, uh, uh, election day is not a federal, it's not a, a state holiday, excuse me. Why can't we do that? I mean, I just, I, I find it hard to believe and I don't really understand why, you know, there's classes in, 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 in schools during election day when, you know, especially if we value as an institution of higher learning, you know, casting the ballot as engaged citizens. So if we're engaged citizens, then why, why are we still having to, you know, go to class when we should be exercising our right to vote? That doesn't really make sense, especially if you're teaching us about those things. I mean, you know, but but then again, of course, you want to slap on the logo that, you know, Black Lives Matter and that your vote matters and all these other performative activist terms that, again, you obviously have not implemented through your actions. So it's like it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And quite frankly, you know, what's going to end up happening is, you know, people are going to read right through your performative activism and they're going to, they're going to know. And when they know, they're going to be like, well, where's the actions? And that's what we need to be asking. Where's the actions? Show us the actions. Give us the progress. If you truly value us, show it. What are you doing and what are you doing with the resources that you have to ensure that you are uplifting and you are continuing to push for a more inclusive, a more equitable and a more accessible community, not just within our schools, not just within our public offices, but within our nation? What are we doing? And, and, and again, I don't want it to seem as if I'm just slapping a label of, oh, well, that's it. You can't do anything. You're doomed with that label of being a performative activist. But how can we get people to become conscious advocates? How can we be conscious advocates? And, you know, there's ways in which we do that. So, again, the first step is, is ensuring that you can accept the notion of it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay. You may not be comfortable. But it's, again, taking the leap to ensure that you can be a better ally and to consciously and consistently amplify the voices of those around you. You know, it's funny. So I had a question from from somebody, and this is my way to kind of transfer into the questions tab. So somebody asked me what my, my thoughts were when it comes to if Salisbury University is a school that utilizes this foundation to, you know, promote anti-racism and, you know, to ensure that they, that people know that diversity inclusion is valued at SU. They asked me like, do I believe that, you know, based on the poll? And I said, Salisbury University deserves a Grammy. Salisbury University deserves a Grammy. I'm going to leave it like that. And the reason why I started off with that actually, it's simple. Salisbury University paints itself as an image of being diverse and inclusive, 
But there's two things that's wrong with that scenario. One, what they do is they recycle a lot of their pictures. Again, when it's people of multicultural backgrounds, you see that on there. And so when students come, they come thinking that, oh, well, it's going to be more diverse. And then as soon as you get there, it's like a big culture shock. That's one. And that has an impact because then when you strip all the resources that are from students, again, the performative activism is the lip service. When you when they get here and they realize that the curtain is pulled back and none of, a lot of those things, they don't really see those those elements that make a diverse campus. Then the first thing they're asking is, well, how am I to be supported here in the classroom and beyond? I mean, I mean, let's be real. Let's go over the resources. I mean, like, of course, you have counseling, which, you know, they just hired a director, but, you know, they're still pretty short staffed. You have a disability resource center that's pretty, pretty short staffed, a small staff. And although they work hard, it's like they're burned out. You have multicultural student services, which, quite frankly, I don't even know if that exists anymore because that's been torn down so many times. There's just one or two people in that office. And, you know, it's such a secret as to how they're going to hire assistant directors, knowing that, again, they have not included anybody that is going to be interacting with that assistant director, which henceforth is those organizations that are of multicultural background. And again, it's like you pulled the history, you pulled the soul out of those students. So students don't know where else to go. They don't know where else to plug in. And so when new students come here, they have to fight even harder to catch up and ensure that they have the support that they need to be successful at this institution. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, again, and I'm just just hitting it on the head. It's a lot more lip service here. It really is. And don't get me wrong, people that work at Salisbury, you know, they have to have a passion for for uh, higher learning. But it's not, it's, it, it, it really, Salisbury University really needs to do a better job of, of being proactive and ensuring that they promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then second, again, what happens is those words, diversity and inclusion, they really get worn out. I mean, and people's not going to want to hear that because, again, it obviously takes the meaning out of the word when you don't act on those things. It really does. Students are tired. Faculty are tired. Staff are tired. Especially of the groups that are impacted. It makes no sense. But that's a great question. I love that question. Um, let's look through the thing. Let's look through the thing. Sorry, give me one second. Also, before I forget, before I forget... I'm going to do audience choice for the third episode just because I specifically want to do the fourth episode on something, a surprise. So we'll get back to that in a second. But so the second question was kind of similar. Like, yeah, basically, you know, again, lip service. Um, And okay, that's basically the third question. Other than that, it looks like that's all the questions that we have. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're all practically the same questions. The, third, the only difference about the third question was more so, like, is it going to change? And, I mean, again, I think I answered that already. It's like, I think Salisbury University can always change. Again, they're not. it's not slapping a label on them that's, that's going to doom them forever. But I do think, again, that requires them to really foster in a culture that reflects, again, the consciousness and willingness to create an environment that's for all people. And that requires them to bring those resources back. Multicultural student services, they need a director, they need those things. But then on top of that, 
they really need to listen to their students. So when students are bringing solutions, I'm not saying you have to implement every single one of them, but you definitely need to utilize them because what they're asking for, it, it really reflects their needs. Again, that's the whole point of shared governance. That's the whole point of students coming forth and articulating that. That's the whole point of having a, a college community. But um, I hope I answered your question on that one. Um, oh, oh, actually, there's one more. I'm sorry. There's one more. One more. So sorry. He, he would have upset if I didn't respond to this one. But um, what were my thoughts on the comments? So um, just to give a little bit um, of context. So... On the study that I did, the Salisbury University Instagram page posted the anti-racism summit, and they used that picture again, performative activism. Like you have a bunch of black people holding a sign, uh, "Stop the hate," uh, anti-racism, uh, "Black Lives Matter," and it it looked like they just pulled it off the internet. It really did, like they pulled it off Pinterest or something. And it's funny because um, in the comments, of course, there's always those people that are like, "Oh my gosh, anti-white." And I don't even know what the heck is anti-white. Like, what does that even mean? And so it really went off in the chats, in the the Instagram chats. And so the university decided to delete all the messages and turn off the notifications. And that's the only notifications that they've turned off on their social media page. So like everything else, the comments are on. That was the only one they turned off. And it was funny because, uh, again, they started the student forum off with this whole notion of, you know, we don't tolerate hate. Hey has no home here. Man, get out of here. And then they're going to reference the freedom of speech. And then let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. We all know, and I want to get this clear. We all know freedom, is, freedom of speech exists. We all know that. It's the fabric of our democracy. Nobody is challenging that. But that doesn't mean you can get away saying what you want to say. That don't mean you can get away with it. That's for example, let's say if I went up to a professor and said, F you, what's going to happen? I'm going to get in trouble. I may get suspended. I know I'm going to get kicked out of that class. But then when you have people that are saying F the N word, or they're saying, uh, making jokes about George Floyd, or, you know, they're, 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 um, what's it called? Um, what we saw on the social media page. I mean, yeah, of course it's not, it's not, um, it's under the freedom of speech. Of course it is. But again, if you're a student leader saying those things, and I'm not saying that that's who they are, but if they are, because it's happened in the past where student leaders and, you know, other entities, staff and faculty have said stuff like that. I mean, again, it's like what word actions have consequences. They do. And that includes words. So at that point, it's like the university really was complacent in those matters. And what made matters worse, they deleted all the con- comments. Like, to try to scrub and hide under the rug. Yeah, that notion of hiding under the rug. Same thing with the vandalisms. When they first started happening, they painted right over that sucker. They painted right over it. Like, nothing ever happened. The only reason why it didn't happen is because students recorded. They recorded what they found. And the school had to acknowledge it when that Sandy Hook reference was made. Because, again, they didn't want to acknowledge it when, you know, they were specifically targeting black people with those vandalisms. When they were referencing black people. But then as soon as they said Sandy Hook and it was a threat to everybody, everybody wanted to freak out and the school took it seriously. Again, where does that, what does that mean for, you know, where we stand as black peoples? Even though we contribute a lot of stuff to not only the campus, but to our country. But, you know, ultimately how I look at it, again, it's just more fuel for us to continue 
to educate, inform, and empower our members, our people, you know, to continue to strategize, get more innovative, and bringing change to our communities. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it wasn't too, too long, and, you know, it wasn't as in-depth as it could have been, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll have another Grammy episode. Hopefully, I can get my Grammy, my actual Grammy, next year when January hits. Uh, But who knows? But other than that, hope you all have a great rest of your night and stay safe out there. And remember, preserve your mental and physical health.